Claptrap, Episode 12, Traveling Barbecue Wagon. Hey Claptrap Country, in this week's episode, I was inspired by the Christmas gift that I got this year, and that was a Weber Smoky Mountain smoker. So that got me kind of reminiscing on an activity that Josh and I did together in the past. So the summer after we graduated high school, we worked for a traveling barbecue wagon. So we would travel and do shows all across the region, so Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Did we go to Indiana? We went to West Virginia, for sure. Yeah, we went to Fort Wayne, Indiana. So, you know, like I said, all around the region, and we learned how to smoke ribs, make sauce, work in the food industry. I'm sure all of you have experience doing that. So we thought we would, you know, share some of our knowledge about barbecuing and as well as tell some of the insane stories from along the way, so... Josh, do you got anything you want to say to start off? Yes, I guess you could consider us carnies, even though I don't like the word and I don't like to admit that I was one. I will say the crew that we were on that summer, I would consider us as carnies, which can get a good a good or bad rep, mostly bad, but we'll try and shed some positive light here on that. So to start off, I guess, do you want to maybe go into the rib making process or do you want to start with sauce? Well, I guess we can talk about the ribs first because that's what everyone wants, you know, when you're barbecuing. You know, you and I didn't have as much experience with this because that was more of what people would probably call the pit master's job or our bosses, aka our boss's job was to prepare the ribs. I think you might have actually done it once or twice. I didn't actually ever help with that. And so maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But from what I remember is, you know, a lot of people love tender ribs, fall off the bone ribs. We did a St. Louis style rib, which entailed basically the, the pit master preparing all the ribs that we'd have and they would load up the smoker. You can use different kinds of wood to prepare the smoker. I think a lot of times we use either cherry, probably the most popular you could use or a different kind of hardwood that really gets a nice flavor to the meat there. And that, that process has kind of started, you know, a day before the show starts. So a lot of shows or ribs burn-offs took place Thursday through Sunday or maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So typically the day before on Thursday or maybe a Wednesday, you would start smoking the meat and just preparing the meat as is. And from what I remember, we would smoke them for 18 hours. Is that right? Yeah, it was something crazy like that. It was a super long time because you have to cook them low and slow. So if you cook them too hot, then your meat will tend to dry out and or burn even on the outside. And when you cook them at a lower temperature, the kind of the connective tissue and the kind of the fats and everything inside start to liquefy. And that makes a nice and tender meat. That also helps out with the with the flavoring and stuff as well, too, right? That's what at least that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you get a longer exposure to the smoke, obviously, as it rolls through the smoker, 
And then before we would load them in, we'd rub them with a secret blend of urban spices in order to also add to the flavor. And then after they came out of the smoker, we would then finish them on the grill before we gave them to the customers. Now, this technique can also be used with other kinds of meat. Obviously, ribs are maybe, like I said, kind of the more prized uh, piece of meat in, in a lot of barbecue joints. You can also do chickens. I'm sure you could do, you know, bigger pieces of steak that way if you wanted to. I don't hear as many people do steak, but I don't see why you couldn't. Basically, any kind of meat you could smoke if you really wanted to. Ribs being the most popular, probably because of the length of them, my guess is they absorb that smoke and that and just the way that you cook that slow and low like you were saying just absorbs a lot of that temperature and flavoring a lot better than most meats do so for our barbecue stand the one we worked for we sold ribs brisket pulled pork chicken mick ribs <laughs> is there anything else obviously you got then you got sides cornbread coleslaw baked beans i think that was about covers everything right yeah i think that's basically it i mean we didn't necessarily work in front of the restaurant stand. I'm not sure if you did, because I know our, our facility had a a stand uh, or a storefront, I guess I should say. Uh, but we basically, like Kyle said, did it in a, in a traveling style. So it wasn't like we were a, a gourmet restaurant. We were basically a trailer that hooked up to a truck, and we would drive around to these rib burn-offs trying to compete for the best tasting ribs and, you know, the complimenting sides that, that would go with it, as well as, you know, barbecue chicken and in your sauces and your seasoning, how good that tasted on their own as well as on the meats. So they all kind of played together like that. But I think we got everything covered there. The competitions would be, you know, fairly regionally. So we would go to the competitions and then you would just set up, like Josh was saying, for like four days. And then you would just sell ribs to people. And then at the end of the show, there would be usually some kind of award ceremony. So people would vote on, well, judges and people both. So there'd be like a people's choice category. We won that a couple times. I think I liked them the most, actually, when they would do the competition like halfway in between. Uh, because if you won like first prize and it was halfway through the through the competition then you get like an onslaught of, of customers going out the line. I don't, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I think this had to be Fort Wayne, Indiana. And we did really well with our sauces that year and, or that, that show, sorry. And our line was like, you know, an hour wait and people stood in line and we were flipping ribs and, and getting them out there as quick as we could to people. Like that was awesome. Yeah, so some of the other categories like Josh alluded to was, you know, best sauce, best ribs, best pulled pork, things like that. And then usually normally a, a people's choice award. And our stand that we worked for was more known for the sauces. We won the best sauce multiple times when we were there. So we had like three different sauces to choose from. We had one called Sissy Sweet. We had a like a medium one and then we had a, a spicy one. And... Should we give away the secrets? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't think I think they'd be they'd be mad at us because I'm pretty sure the two fat guys still has a storefront. I think they just sell the sauces. I don't know if they actually do it as a restaurant style for. So the barbecue place that Kyle and I worked for, the name of it was Two Fat Guys, who I believe had you had connections to. Uh, were very good at making sauces, and that was kind of their claim to fame and why they were so popular 
right here in the Northeast Ohio, as well as, you know, some of the surrounding areas like, like Kyle was talking about. So I, I think it'd probably be better not to give away their secret recipe unless you guys maybe, maybe we, you can hit us up on Facebook in a, in a comment or something and we'll, we'll share it with you there. Well, we can talk in broad strokes. So basically you would start with a base sauce and then you would add herbs and spices to that to get up to the final product and uh, you would just go from there. So very interesting summer. We definitely learned a ton, but one of the major things about, you know, working at these festivals weekend after weekend was the fact of all these interesting people that you would meet along the way, whether it was the actual customers coming to buy the wares or it was the other rib vendors that you would hang out with afterwards. So Josh, do you have any stories you want to lead off with or anything that stands out to you? I'm trying to think of what our actual first show was. I'm thinking it was the Berea show. I believe that is correct. Okay, yeah. So Berea, Ohio, kind of made famous by being the spot where the Cleveland Browns practice facility is. Uh, And this show took place probably early June um, is what I'm thinking. Maybe maybe mid June. I, I I can't actually quite remember, but we had no idea what to expect when we were first going there. At least I didn't, because you know, growing up, I was just thinking like you know, fairs, festivals. You don't really pay attention to how all of this stuff kind of comes together. So we're we're getting set up for this this show and everything, and you know, we're putting up all these banners and signs, and the to advertise and get ready for the show the next day. And we're putting up all this aluminum conduit to hang our signs. And like, I I kept telling everyone, I'm like, I think I feel like an electric shock in these guys. And everyone's like, Oh no, you just probably got some like static friction or something. Like you're fine. And like the more and more we did it, like we kept adding things to the framing, you know, getting the smokers and the, and all this dishes out for, you know, preparing the meals for everyone. And I kept feeling electricity running through everything. And I was like, nope, that's definitely something's connected to that. So we ended up finding out that there was a short and a wire, like all the way to the electrical box where we had actual electricity running through our conduit. (laughs) And I was just, I remember that starting off the whole year being like, okay, what did I get myself into? Like, I'm the only one that could feel that. And everyone's telling me that I'm crazy. I'm like, nope, I'm getting shocked. (laughs) Yeah, I remember I was like, no, dude, you're you're full of crap. So then I go ahead and grab onto the the spike or whatever that we're trying to drive into. And I get zapped. I'm like, all right, he's not lying. Somebody else come and check this out. So then they had to call in like an electrician. And he's like, oh, yeah, you got electricity running through all these people's signs. I was like, all right, here we go. Uh, and that's when we finally earned our our carny titles. So when you're like, "Oh, something's happening here, guys. You need to check that out." <laughs> so I I guess that was kind of the kickoff for everything. I think at that same show, <laughs> kind of embarrassing to do because one of the the caveats of getting to work at this at this place is sometimes you and I, if you remember, we got to keep the tips. You know, depending on what the circumstances were, and so we would always try and have a little bit of competition to see who can make the most tips when you're working the register or, or just in general, trying to get people to come up and buy things at the show. And I think in particular, one time you and I were 
either mopping inside the trailer or I was, and you were cleaning out, you know, just like it was after the lunch rush and we were just cleaning and we got to choose what music we were playing. And I can't even remember the name of the song. You might be able to remember. It might've been like wheel in the sky. We like played it like once or twice over and over again. We like started like dancing and like doing like really stupid stuff. And like these two, (laughs) these two kind of crazy ladies came up and were just like staring at us laughing and then by the time like the show was done or the song was over, we like turned around and noticed that they were like laughing at us. And then they, they ended up buying food, which was, which was funny. <laughs> I don't think it was wheel in the sky. It was definitely a journey song. Oh, it was, uh, it was separate ways was the song. Uh, that that's it. For whatever reason, that was our jam that summer. Great song. Yeah. Just cruising out to journey all summer. Now, Working at these shows, we've also had multiple interesting requests by people trying to get discounts for the ribs. So, Josh, I don't know if you remember what happened when we were in Carroll County for the uh, the car show down there. I, I think I remember, but I'm going to let you tell this one. All right. So Josh is working at the cash register and I'm putting things together on the line behind him. And this guy and his girlfriend comes up. And if you're listening with children, I'll try to keep this as PG as possible. So the guy comes up and then they they give us their order. The guy asked Josh if he would give him a discount if he would allow his girlfriend to show her feminine parts to him. (laughs) I do remember that now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I, I do. He tried so hard to do that, too. He's like, oh, come on. Give her give her a little love. I'm like. I'm like, dude, like, no, like <laughs> one, that's like super unprofessional Two, like, I don't want to see that. And like three, <laughs> I, I feel like that's like super disrespectful for her. And she didn't even say anything. Like she didn't even care that he was like, joke. I couldn't even tell if he was joking or being serious or not. I, I don't know. Being an awkward 18 year old, I didn't really know how to handle it. So I tried to joke along and be like, ha ha, no, like no not not right now like (laughs) probably not the proper way to handle it but (laughs) did you ever have any customers do anything like that to you well i guess like this happened pretty much every show so i don't know if it was like a unique experience just for me or if it was more for just anybody up there so with these pretty much every barbecue stand there would have some sort of sticker or something that pin something like that that you could hand out to people where they would after they ate your stuff you could put the sticker on them so then people would know where you got your ribs or whatever from right we had a giant smiley face that said two i love two fat guys or something like that on it right yeah yep and there would always be these older women that you try to give them their sticker and then they would be like no 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 you got to put it on me and then you'd be like all right and then you try to put it like on their chest upper chest and then they'd be like no i want you to put it down lower and we're like all right this is not happening (laughs) that would happen at least multiple times a weekend i can't say yeah it was so awkward because it's like in those kind of situations we we laughed about it because i guess i didn't really care but it's like, what <laughs> What are you supposed to say to him? Like, yeah, here you go. And like, just like slap it on him. In most cases, I just like slapped it. I'm pretty sure like 
like on their collarbone is like where I would do it. And they would like, you know, try and try and laugh or tease you about it. Like, oh, it could have been a little lower there, sweetheart. And you're like, ah, nope, I put it right where I wanted to. <laughs> so out of all the different jobs that we had to do, so the, like I said, you there'd be a guy in the grill. There'd be a guy on the cash register. There'd be a guy maybe tending the pit, pulling things out. There was, you know, the guy on the line putting together the different meals and everything. What was your favorite position, I guess, amongst the crew? Well, there there was two things. I definitely liked preparing, like, the entire setup beforehand. I think it was a lot of fun because it, it wasn't necessarily dealing with the hustle and bustle of customers who are super impatient for their for their food by the way which i always thought was you know funny but in general i i enjoyed being the the cashier i think because i got to interact with like you said earlier in the episode just a slew of different characters out there everyone from your basic redneck to you know your high class dude who's buying a, a bunch of different uh, ribs for his family it's just you know the the different kinds of people made made the job enjoyable and a lot of laughs shared because of that so that was my favorite normal normal job how about you i actually really liked working the line for some reason i don't know if it was just because you get like a dopamine hit or something right after you finish an order or whatever but for some reason i liked cutting ribs and brisket for some reason i just liked the feeling you were good at it, so that that definitely helped. I was not very fast with that, so I think maybe that's ended up why we ended up doing it that way. Because I was not, I was not very good at keeping up the line. You could you could dish out orders so much faster. <laughs> I won't say they always came out like picture perfect, but <laughs> I tell you what, you you definitely got those orders out. And you know, with record speed, like I was saying earlier, you know, sometimes our line would back up you know, 30, 40, even an hour long wait. And we'd have people, you know, lined up for, you know, 30, 40 yards deep. And when you have that many people, if you want to, you know, make money in that business, you got to serve all of them. So it's not like we have multiple cash registers uh, for the most part, taking multiple orders and, and having people wait in line is you take one order at a time and you guys in the back line there would be trying to fill the orders as quick as as quick as you could. And then as I'm taking the next order or the third order, you're giving me the the food for the person who just or you know, who ordered a little bit ago in order to get that and had to remember names or I think we used people's names, didn't we? In order to like remember the orders. Yeah, we had to. I can't even remember this the organizational system to keep track of all that that we used. And then, you know, like Josh was saying, the line would be forever long. People would be waiting in line like two, two and a half hours. And there would always be someone who's been waiting in line for that long. And the menu is on these gigantic signs out in front. And then there would always be someone that has been standing in line, come up and be like, so what do you guys have on the menu? And it's like, what have you guys been doing for two and a half hours? twiddling your thumbs right yeah <laughs> that was always always quite funny another job i actually really liked and i, I rethought about a question that you asked earlier was when we were preparing and refilling sauces and things like that i actually really liked restocking you know like the sides when we were running out or 
or cleaning, like mopping was was actually kind of fun in the trailer because you, you basically get to listen to music and bob to it as you're doing all of this. But I actually really enjoyed making the sauce because that really, you know, gives a lot of the flavor to the product that we had. And I was thinking more about what you asked earlier is if we should talk about what we actually use in some of that stuff. One experience I did have mixing, I think it was the hot sauce. So I don't think it's any secret for any bar, any person that does barbecuing that one of the biggest names out there in barbecue is, is Sweet Baby Ray's. I, I don't think that's a secret. And I don't even remember all the herbs and spices. So that, I guess that's kind of the secret of, of what made the sauces so special for them is the exact amount of each ingredient. And but for this particular one, I remember it was like the hot the hot sauce we were making. So we were using habanero or habanero powder and chili powder. And basically you dump it in this like five gallon bucket of sweet baby rays. And then we were using like a power tool with a with a mixer on it to basically mix all of this together. And I don't know what it was right after we I poured in the the powder a gust of wind happened or when I disturbed the mixture, some of it flew up and like one into my eyes, one into my nostril system. And like, I remember like crying and my nose running for like an hour after that. Like it was so painful. And I was just like laughing because it was like, I actually, that was my favorite sauce. I really liked the hot sauce. It was probably my, my favorite. Yeah. I, that was probably my favorite too. Even though the, uh, the mild one was the one that tended to win the sauce uh awards it had a really nice sweet flavor like don't get me wrong it's just you know my preference is is probably more on the spicy side of life so out of all the different shows that we did which one was your favorite we're probably going to have the same answer on this so just you can just interject my favorite show was the pennsylvania show which i can't even remember the the name of the town like it was just literally in the middle of a bfe Pennsylvania I feel like we just drove for a while in the in the hills and there wasn't like a big city or or anything and it was at like this little festival you know that that this small town Pennsylvania was having where they they had like bands playing and, and stuff at at the shows and then had all the the rib vendors and and food vendors there but that was my favorite show for several reasons one the swanky loft and two our bosses being like obliterated most of the weekend. Sorry if again if you're have kids listening, you might want to make up a definition for this, but they drank so much alcohol that they were just like I said, they were obliterated and basically it was us running the show. <laughs> I don't know. What what was your favorite show? I will have to say that one as well. So you alluded to the swanky loft, so maybe we should maybe delve into that a little bit because that's probably the most interesting part about the show. Swanky loft. So the swanky loft was like Josh said, we were out in nowhere. There was I don't even know what the nearest town was because I don't remember seeing one. It felt like we were just out in a field for like four days, but our bosses didn't think that getting a hotel beforehand was the right move. So when we show up there all the hotels, the one hotel in the area was completely booked by all the other vendors, so we had nowhere to stay. They go out scouting for a place to stay while me, Josh, and a couple of the other guys were there finishing setting up. And they stop at a bar, and they're getting to talking to the guy, the barkeep, and he's like, oh, you know what? I got a place upstairs that's not 
in use right now. It's like a little apartment if you guys want to stay up there for the weekend. So they take this guy up on his offer. And, you know, we were working all day. We get back. They tell us, hey, we got a deal. We're going to go. We're going to, you know, hang out in this dude's bar all weekend. Oh, I think he owned the motel that was right next to it, too. So it wasn't like he didn't, like, rent out places. But he just, all the rooms in the inn at the time, I think, were taken, like you said, right? Yeah, so this place that we were staying in was like an apartment immediately above the bar. Like there were stairs that you went down to and it, you landed in the bar. So we get there and this place looked like nobody had seen it, touched it, done anything for it. It looked like a museum or something. Nobody had been in it for 10 years. Like from the 60s, probably. <laughs> yeah, so the furniture in the living room had like... Like you see in Scooby-Doo, the mansion's always got like sheets over the the couches and stuff. That's what it was like. The entire living room had like paneling on it. The only two lights in the entire room were a neon like purple and pink like torch looking thing on either side of the fireplace. The kitchen had like you open up the refrigerator and there's like disgusting like spoiled food in there. Shut that. That we ain't going back in there. The bathroom didn't even have a floor. The The shower looked like you, nobody had uh, cleaned it in 20 years. You turned on the water and just rust started pouring out of the shower. What else was in there, Josh? Oh, I mean, I think the one guy, you know, we were low on the totem pole. So I think we got to sleep on the couches. And then some of the, the older guys, you know, got some of the bedrooms because there was like two or three bedrooms in this apartment. And the one guy goes in and he's like, ah, heck no, man. Like what is on this? So he like comes out and he like brings out like the pillow and sheet that were on the bed that he was going to sleep on. And there was like blood stains on it and crap. And we're just like, oh, <laughs> glad we're taking the couch, man. And he's like, no, he's like, I'll t I'm like, no, man, I take the couch. You got that bad, dude. Yeah, so then, you know, me and Josh are, like, looking at each other. We're like, should we be, like, scared for our lives or whatever? And there's no air conditioning, and we're in, like, the middle of the summer. It's, like, 90 degrees out. So then in the middle of the night, we try to open up the windows, and it's, like, 2 in the morning. We're already thinking we're going to get shanked or something. And this window that we had open just comes, like, crashing down and breaks and it scared the daylights out of both of us. We thought we thought someone was trying to break in. That gave us a heart attack. Oh, yeah. Not to mention, like like you alluded to, like the bathroom and the shower was not in great shape. And I think you were the poor and fortunate soul that took the first shower that first that first morning. And like I remember like brown water came out of it. And you're like, oh gross. <laughs> just like having to clear out the the rust because it hasn't been turned on and you know god knows how long so our accommodations that weekend were, were were great and then so the one night like josh said we were 18 so the one night we got back a little early so we went downstairs just to hang out with the guys we couldn't drink or anything but there was these two what would you say they're probably in their 50s like biker women Oh, yeah. Yeah, they could definitely kick our ass. Yep. And they, they challenge us to a game of pool. And I don't think me and you even attempted a shot. They just sank all the balls in sequence. And then we're like, all right, good game, ladies. Good game. Thanks. <laughs> Take our money. 
They're like, if you play, if you pay for the game, we'll play you. So we paid for the game and didn't even take a shot. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the barkeep like laughed. He's like, yeah, they're 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 pretty good. Last thing I'll probably say about that that weekend too is like we were we were talking about. I think that was where I learned the most about you know barbecuing and taking care of food and restaurant you know management at the same time getting up more on a serious note you know our our bosses ordered a keg for whatever reason they thought that was a great idea so they sat at the back of the trailer drinking the whole day while Kyle and I basically managed this entire show so that means we had to do the grilling Kyle was taking out the meat or from the from the smokers or I was and then we actually once you take the meat out of the smokers one thing we didn't mention is you put them on the grill to kind of get that nice charred finish on on the ribs as well as maintaining you know proper temperatures for your chicken and then managing the customers coming up managing you know basically all of that and i thought that was probably the best experience learning wise that we also had not just from a a funny story aspect yeah definitely learning to kind of like work under pressure I mean, it's kind of like a silly kind of pressure because, okay, you're just serving people food, but like when the lunch rush would come and you're just seeing this line that's like a mile long and you're just like busting it for three hours straight and it seems like the line is not going down. And these these people are hungry. I, yeah, I don't know about you, but like, I just felt like I didn't want to let people down. Like, I know like sitting at a restaurant, it sucks like when you're starving and you're just like waiting for food. It just seems like seconds seem like they're minutes long and so i think we always try we did a good job of keeping that mentality of hey we need to get these you know the the customers their their correct orders one and as quick as we can get them out because you know that that was the job and i I think we did a good job of that another kind of aspect to it is the days were insanely long so you would have to get there maybe what six or seven in the morning to get everything set up and ready before people started showing up maybe at what like nine or ten yeah roughly so i think you're right and then you'd have to work probably until 10 or 11 at night when the the place shut down so on the last day of the show sometimes we would you know get there at six or seven work all the way around the clock pack it all in and then drive home the same night so it'd be over 24 hours at a time and I remember the show in Fort Wayne, Indiana, we, we did this where we just packed it up, went home the same day. So I was in a car with another guy and Josh was up in the, the truck hauling the, the steam tables and everything. And we were falling behind them. And I'm the guy's name was Steve. I was with and I was talking to him. And, you know, we had gone over 100 miles at this point. The steam tables, like I alluded to in the back, they just started flying out of the truck. So me and Steve are back there in his Ford Taurus dodging steam table lids and everything. And we're trying to call up and be like, guys, pull over, pull over. Finally get Josh and and Adam's attention. So then we had to go and uh, pick up all this stuff in the highway on Route 30. Right. And this is like in the middle of the night, too. Yeah, like. 2 a.m. That was a great time. You know, semi trucks just like blowing through. I'm out in the middle of Route 30 picking up steam table lids. No lights or anything. Yeah, it was, it was quite entertaining. The point of 
you know, a lot of what we just talked about is owning a restaurant or working in a restaurant or, or maintaining like a barber. If like, if you're working in like a, a food truck, it, <laughs> though at times it might seem like, you know, it's a silly job. A lot of it does teach you a lot of good skills, like you're saying. And I, I'm pretty thankful that we got to, you know, go through that, those experiences. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I also kind of got the the love, I guess you could say, for maybe attempting barbecue. And that's kind of why I wanted to get a smoker for Christmas. So here pretty soon we'll get to try that out and see if I can make some of my own barbecue up to snuff. What do you think the biggest tip that you learned from, you know, taking care of barbecuing from that that experience? What did what was your biggest takeaway from that? So there's there's kind of a couple of things that go into it. Trying to get repeatability behind things. You know what I mean? So having like a consi- a consistent time temperature or, you know, same variable or something maybe. Yeah, exactly. So heat, the temperature and being consistent with that is probably the most important thing and you know with barbecue you got to have the patience because you're you're really not going to know how it turns out until many hours into the process so if you screw up you're really gonna be in trouble so you gotta pay attention to what you're doing and and get it right the first time because you're really not gonna have a second chance especially if you're doing like a show or something and you ruin a whole batch of ribs you're gonna be in trouble so that was kind of one of the major takeaways yeah, I guess that would apply to like, you know, parties if you're having a, a backyard barbecue for your family coming over or the same thing if you have like a food truck or a business like that. That is definitely the most important thing to to know. Whatever meat you're you're making, make sure you know what time and temperature that you want that to be prepared at. And one, don't lose track of that. <laughs> if you do, you're going to end up, you know, missing out on either, you know, how the flavoring that you want, or it's going to come out burnt. And then you're going to have to have a plan B. So that's probably the biggest takeaway. I think the next one for me is definitely the sauces. A lot of people, you know, in their home barbecues, they just buy the store-bought, you know, barbecue sauces and just add it like that. I think one of the, you know, the most interesting things about, like, those competition places and why they're so popular in the summer times, those sauces and spices that they're adding are awesome and it's you know through time and trial that they develop those recipes and i think people would be much happier with their barbecue at home if they did the same thing it just instead of just taking your normal you know you can use your sweet baby rays and yeah that that's pretty good on its own but man i tell you what that stuff is really good if you add a couple extra ingredients to it and and mix it all together properly you know so your big takeaway are you going to be going to a barbecue ribs burn off this summer? Oh, most definitely. So they're they're way more popular in Northeast Ohio and Ohio, and I think kind of the Midwest in general. Like when I lived down south in, in Tennessee, maybe I just didn't pay attention, but I never saw like anything like that at your normal like county fairs. You might see a little bit of it, you know, at the at the food stands, but not like a show that is completely dedicated to meat meat smoking <laughs> i guess there maybe there's more carnivores up here maybe i'm wrong i don't know but yeah I, I will definitely be going and i think even really you know we we talk a lot about cooking on this podcast 
I would love to, you know, create my own recipes to actually make different sauces for, you know, an array of, of food, whether it's ribs or chicken or, you know, pork loins, something like that, that you can use as a glaze over top of it. I think that's just like the next step up from, oh, I, I kind of know how to cook to, wow, this is really awesome food, you know. Well, I think kind of one thing that might explain what you're talking about is we grew up like a city over from Canton, Ohio, which is where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. And every year as part of that festival, they would have the ribs burn off as part of the Hall of Fame festivities. So I remember going to that festival with my mom to get ribs every summer. So that just might explain the popularity in the area. I have no idea. But uh, I think that'll conclude this week's podcast. So if you could maybe share your recipes with us, find us on Facebook, Twitter, maybe tell us your you know, food service experiences with the general public. I'm sure you all have some great stories to share with us as well. So uh, give us a like or review and uh, interact with us. We, we'd like to hear from you guys. So you can find us on at Facebook, Claptrap Country, and the same thing on Twitter. So Josh, you got any parting words? Uh, we'll see you next week, guys. Appreciate it. All right, later.